Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and you're listening to I Love That Movie, uh, and you can catch up with me on Twitter. You can find me at ILTM Podcast. We also have an Instagram, I Love That Movie Podcast, and you can support us on Patreon. That's right. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash I Love That Movie, and I wanted to take a, a quick moment to thank our top patrons, and those people are Chris Balga, Jeff Woodman, Michael Cross, and Joseph George. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Uh, we also have a Teespring in case you need some last minute Christmas gifts that you want, like a t-shirt or a mug that says I love that movie. Uh, we have a Discord where we chat in real time about movies. And then we've also got a Facebook group called I Love That Movie. Uh, we're like 204 members strong, I think. It's pretty fun in there. We just chat about film. And my only rule in there is just keep it positive. And please, if you like what you hear today, subscribe and rate the show. It helps new listeners find us. And with that, I'm going to introduce today's guest, Nick Ward. That's me. That's Nick. I'm back. He's back again. Uh, Nick. Yes. Can you introduce yourself to the audience in case people haven't heard of you? Well, if you haven't heard of me, I'm sorry, but I am Lisa's husband. <laughs> That's the number one thing about you is that you're my husband. That's and it. Then everything else. Everything like else it. does not matter. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> Nothing else matters. I make uh, re- props and replicas from f- movies and video games uh, under Wardco Props. The name is pretty much universal through all the the social medias i have a facebook page uh wardco props and then twitter is wardco props i think there's an underscore in there somewhere and then mostly i do most most of my uh, stuff on instagram same thing wardco underscore props well very cool um so normally the guest chooses the movie the movie kind of chose us because on december 4th at the Texas Theater, Nick and I attended the uh, Ernie Kovacs Award. We've gone the last three years. Um, so, you know, the last three winners we saw were uh, Kids in the Hall, Amy Sedaris, and then this year it was John Cleese. John Cleese? I know. Can you believe it? Wow. And it's essentially it's a, a comedy award. And so uh, Ernie Kovacs was basically, you know, the father of zany comedy tv like he was a real pioneer and you he may not be like a household name to you but if you check into his history it's really amazing all the different uh 
you know, TV projects he was a part of. And uh, he a lot of um, comedy now was actually influenced by what he did back in the 50s. So it's pretty cool. Uh, every year to honor him, uh, they choose a comedian that sort of embodies his like zany, crazy style. And if I'm struggling to like describe Ernie Kovacs, Google him and watch some clips and you'll understand why I'm struggling to. It's just, I don't know, it's like describing Monty Python a little bit where it's like zany, fun, out there humor that's very, I think the biggest thing about it is it's very visual. So every year they pick someone to honor him and it's usually someone that, you know, has a TV show or has a presence in movies where their comedy does rely at least somewhat on visuals. Would you agree? I feel, yeah, uh... The three we've been to is very, they're all kind of similar, but I feel like John Cleese being a, a member of the Monty Python troupe even more so because Ernie Kovac specifically kind of made fun of TV, mm-hmm. even though he was on. And it seems like most of Monty Python were was like them making fun of a TV show or... Or like a, uh, or the government, or the government, just authority, or, yeah, basically. authority, or like a lot of TV type stuff, like spoofs. That is very popular now with a lot of other comedians. Yeah, it feels like Ernie Kovac's style was very fourth wall breaking. Um, he was I think very it was just, aware. Of it, it was very early for yeah. what it was, and I think people kind of didn't know what to do with it. And subsequently, he kept getting like let go and put on different projects. Uh, but in retrospect, it's like wow, he was a real pioneer. Um, and very talented. So, yeah, this year it was John Cleese. Uh, basically, they uh, presented him with an award. We got to hear from uh, Ron de Villiers, uh, who is the retired uh, KRA TV programmer who actually brought Monty Python to the States. Not so- just Channel 13 here in, in North Texas, but the U.S. Yeah, that was like an interesting factoid that I learned from from this event was that, you know, uh, a lot of different studios across the U.S., including in L.A. and New York and D.C., uh, Boston and more got a crack at Monty Python, but they felt that it was too irreverent, that it was too zany, uh, too rude. And so they passed on it. And thank God, Ron, you know, decided to take a chance on it. And look what we look where we are today. It's just look at us now. (laughs) So Dallas gets to boast the bragging rights of bringing Monty Python here, which I thought was super cool. You're welcome, everyone else. Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, Edie Adams' son and the keeper of the Ernie Kovacs uh, archives, Josh Mills, usually helps present the awards. Um, and then Ben Modell was there this year. He's the official archivist of the Ernie Kovacs and Edie Adams collection in town. Uh, he was here from New York. And of course, Bart Weiss, founder and artistic director of Dell's Video Fest. So it's usually a pretty cool show. Um, it's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. I can't emphasize that enough. And what I think the craziest thing about it is that it's only like usually like 25 or 35 bucks. I think it was 35 this year. To get year. to see John Cleese for like 30 bucks. Yeah, I mean, come like, on. That's a no-brainer. It was like pretty much all night. I think we got there at like 7 and we left it was at a, like 11, right? I want to say it was the uh, introductions and presentation and some like video clips on the screen. I want to say it was about a two and a half hour um overall um on stage performance not performance but you know what i mean yeah i, I mean, mean totally worth it with 
the history and getting to see the archive footage and having John Cleese on stage talking. That was really cool. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I can't emphasize it enough, guys. I know that uh, I plug it every year, but you should really check it out. I mean, I don't know how much it costs to see him at Windstar, but I mean, this was only 35 bucks and it, it's like a very intimate show typically. And it's just cool learning a little bit of comedy history if you're a nerd like we are. So I just highly recommend it. But anyway, that said, it really inspired us to choose a movie. We've kind of done this before. When Kids in the Hall was in town, we chose Brain Candy. Uh, and so this time, what movie did we choose to talk about? Life of... Br- Wait, no. <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's I t- mean, my best Tim. Yeah, well, that's pretty good, I think. Uh, you don't really have to twist our arm with this one. I feel like you and I have seen this movie many, many, many times. Right? Oh, yeah. I randomly, if it doesn't even like require... What I'm saying, I, I quote this movie all the time. I mean, it's very quotable. It is. Um, it came out in 1975. And I'm going to, before we dive too much further into our history with the movie, I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis. As usual, please do not listen to this if you haven't seen the movie. I can't emphasize that enough. But if you haven't seen it, what? What? Go ahead and see it, man. I mean, go for it. Um, so... King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table embark on a surreal, low-budget search for the Holy Grail, encountering many very silly obstacles. Yeah, pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Um, When was the first time you saw this movie? I can't tell you a date, because I was pretty (laughs) young. But I remember, I was a kid, probably early, early, early elementary school age. Um... And I don't, I think it was like a friend of my mom. So like probably some cool adult I thought was like really cool because I was a little kid. And I remember them saying, let's let him watch Monty Python because every little boy needs to see Monty Python. That's essentially (laughs) what it was. They're like, let's, let's make his humor that he's going to have for the rest of his life. (laughs) Um. And I, I. I loved it. I remember watching it on, it might've been VHS. I don't remember, but they put it in. I thought it was like the funniest thing ever. It was, I didn't even know who Monty Python was. I just, I saw this movie and loved it. Yeah. I definitely saw this movie first. Um, I saw this movie probably with my dad, I'm assuming. Uh, he's a pretty big Monty Python fan. He actually went with us to the, uh, Ernie Kovacs award show and, um, that was really special, like just taking him to that just because he is such a huge fan. But he showed me this movie and immediately after I was very in love with the style of comedy. And so my dad let me watch the show and I watched a bunch of episodes, I think way too young uh, to like really get the humor. But it definitely did kind of shape my hum- my sense of humor, I feel like. Going I think forward. if you see this movie young enough, it it kind of steers you into a direction of comedy that you're probably going to like later in life. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that still sticks with me since then is that, um, I tend to like comedy groups that are, uh, you know, it could be a group or a duo, whatever, but that tend to be like sort of have some absurdist humor, but are also very dry sometimes in their delivery. And I don't know, like there's like a weird balance of all this craziness. I don't know. It's almost like 
the comedy is it's kind of bad but at the same time these guys are like legit hilarious yeah i think like there's something really smart about it and purposeful like i i love improv as you guys know and uh but at the same time i do like the how calculated a lot of this feels like when you watch it and i think john cleese made a point of that is that he likes there to be structure to a joke and so even though it can kind of seem zany and crazy there's a formula there and i i respect that and i think i don't know i do like that type of humor yeah all their their comedies and especially this one, since this is what we're talking about, like, there'll be a really random joke you think is, like, just there to get a laugh. And then, like, an hour later, they'll reference it. Yeah, or just visually, like, they obviously had to plan out how that was going to look. And they Very props big sets, and stuff. yeah. Yeah, and so something that can seem so inane and maybe even ad-libbed, it turns out that it's not because you physically see, like, how yeah. they planned it out. Um, I have a couple quick facts I wanted to throw out there. Uh, the first one was the famous depiction of the galloping horses by using coconut shells, a traditional radio show sound effect, came about from the purely practical reason that the production simply could not afford real horses. It's very fitting <laughs> for Monty Python, too. Right. I, and I think, like, uh, for me, even as a kid, like, instantly that was hilarious to me. Well, oh, plus it... It's funny, and then it leads into, like, one of the longest-running jokes in the movie about, like, can, like, the, the the swallow carry the coconuts? Oh, yeah. Or, like, where did they come from? They're not from here. <laughs> and that keeps getting brought up throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a joke that, that keeps, keeps giving. Uh, there were numerous disagreements between Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. Gilliam was more focused on the technical aspects, while Jones was more for focused on the comedy. Uh, after this, it was agreed that Jones would direct further Python films. I, I can see a difference. I mean, with uh, uh, was it History of the World and Life of Brian. Yeah. I mean, they're very different, I think, yeah. from this movie. But I don't know if I like that. I like them, but I mean, I still personally, I think this is the best Monty Python movie. Yeah, just like as an overall film, I yeah. think it's like maybe there are funnier jokes in the other two, and so I can see. Oh, the other I'm... ones are hilarious. Yeah, but as a whole, I I think this one did have the comedy and the technical aspect down pretty well. And plus, we both are fans of Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Who we actually saw speak at Comic-Con several years, years ago. Years ago, yeah. yeah. He was... Uh... Yeah, he was at Comic-Con promoting the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. So that was like the year Heath Ledger died. Yeah, because right? they, uh, they, they managed to make the movie work by every imagination realm. They ended up using a different actor. Yeah. For that character. To, that way it made more sense. Because I think he only filmed... He filmed like half of it. Yeah. And so I think in the movie there's like three or four different worlds or whatever. So they get a different actor to play his character each time. Yeah, it's make been it, so long since I've flow. seen it. I think we saw it when it first came out. And it's 09, so 10 years ago. Yeah, we... Uh... We heard him speak, and I mean, the main reason why I wanted to see Terry Gilliam is because of 12 Monkeys. Yeah. Um, I also love Brazil as well, but 
I don't know. I just I have a lot of respect for him as a director. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna s- get you to watch Time Bandit one day. Oh yeah, I've one never day seen that. you're gonna watch Time Bandits. Yeah, but um, so I don't know. I feel like the two of them together made a better movie. Is that fair to say? Um, but I do like the other films as well. Yeah, so. they're good. Uh, last fact I had was Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and Genesis all contributed to this film's budget. Oh wow. Yeah. That's cool. Kind of interesting. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting uh, that so many bands donated to them because I remember John Cleese was talking about in the media roundtable that George Harrison actually paid for Life of Brian. So a lot of musical fans. Maybe it's just like they're thumbing their nose at authority kind of draws in for rock bands. They might just enjoy the comedy, too. Yeah. They want to help out. Yeah. Um, So... Let's talk about this movie. Let's do it. All right. Well, do you have any like favorite scenes you want to touch on first? Um, I've got a lot. Okay. Um, I will. I'll. 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 I'll tell you my confession first. Okay. My confession is I know Monty Python is a troop of about was it five or six guys. I think that's right. <laughs> I, I can't usually name all of them. only remember John Cleese. Uh, Graham Chapman, yeah, and Eric Idles. I think they're, most people. I do. think they're like the funniest ones. The other guys have to be there for like support, and they have some great scenes. But those are the guys I always remember. Oh yeah, I I think that that's widely felt. Yeah. Yeah, and I was telling you the other night as a kid, totally different. But I for some reason always got a uh, Idles and um. Uh, Gene Wilder confused. <laughs> they look similar. They look kind of similar. But I they're very it. different. But as a kid, like as a child, I, I would confuse them. Yeah, I I'd could be see like, that. oh, I thought he was in the candy movie. <laughs> but knowing that, let's go forward into the movie. Okay, go ahead. Well, since we both pick it, you tell me one of your favorite scenes first. I think, I mean, it's totally going out of order, but the bring out your dead is probably the funniest joke to me that one's good just because like it goes on for so long and like um john cleese talked about actually uh at the award show that people kept asking him like what do you think's funny now and he was very like i don't think anybody's funny now (laughs) he's like i'm just over it i feel like i've seen everything he's he's a grumpy old guy now (laughs) he's like when you're in comedy so long you feel like you can always see the joke coming and he talked about how he missed um jokes being set up technically and done well and also he said a lot of film in general uh tends to pull in for a lot of close-ups all the time it's like they don't want to plan out the whole scene instead they just zoom into different people's faces and then they don't have to set everything which i actually kind of agree with i i do prefer you know uh long shots this whole and it's more impressive that, yeah and this whole movie has that i think this scene has that because yeah, uh, i think from when he first rolls the cart into town till the guy tries to, I guess, get rid of his dad or whatever. That's all one shot, pretty much. Yeah. And, like, I think there's so much stuff going on in the scene that's funny, too. Not just the two, you know, main people that interact. Yeah. And so I like all that. Like, I was telling you, just even, like, silly, dumb stuff, like when everyone's you know moaning because he's like bring out your dad bring out your dad and he's walking around and there's that one scene where they're zooming in on different people suffering but then they zoom into that person that's just stuck in a basket and i don't just know why rolling it's around. just so funny to me or the lady um, like like 
um, <clears throat> dusting the the clothes or the yeah. the, <laughs> the rug or whatever, but it's with a cat. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. There's just a lot going on in the scene. It's very funny. And uh, I think John Cleese wrote that one. So yeah, I it, think it he, feels very his He was style. saying the darker ones he, he wrote. <laughs> this also leads to another um, one of the, the jokes throughout the movie, like where the guy was like, I'm not dead. Oh, yeah. I'm getting better. It happens like <laughs> three or four more times and throughout the movie. I just feel like that time period is such a great... I mean, there's just so much comedy there. I mean, it sounds terrible, oh, yeah. but it's like such a horrible time in history. And so to laugh at it uh, so comfortably is just very, very funny. I'll, I'll segue into one of my favorite scenes because I think it takes place during this one. It's like after the bring out your dead scene, um, Arthur rides by and someone in the crowd's like, oh, it's the king. He's like, how do you know it's the king? He's like, because he ain't got shit all over him. <laughs> I like that one, too. I like that scene uh, with the two, I guess, peasants. Uh, oh, the, um, like, the, the mud yeah. stackers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the hell they're yeah. doing. They're just stacking mud. Yeah, yeah. That That's a good scene. I like uh, their interactions with the king. You know, the I didn't vote for you. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just all of that's really good. Also, they're, the guy that's just really upset about the monarchy. and They're just making fun of British government. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. Um, man, a lot of the... Just this whole movie is good. Like, I think right in that same area, early early on in the movie... Um, like I said, I quote this movie even if I have no reason to. I like when he goes up... He, he rides up behind someone... He's like, old woman, <laughs> yeah, <I> like man, <laughs> old man, I'm not old. He's like, I'm 37. I'm 37. He's like, okay, sorry. Sorry, about the, <laughs> man, you could call me Dennis. He's like, you could call me Dennis. Yeah. He's like, I didn't know your name was Dennis. You I don't didn't know. bother to ask. <laughs> this is so good. Just that stuff like that all throughout the movie. Right, it feels like it's very wacky, but at the same time, they take these moments to do this really, like, dry, inane sort of back and forth. And it kind of goes on for a while. You're like, is this still going on? And then once you get past it, you're like, hmm, they pulled it off. That was funny. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of iconic scenes that people quote a lot. And I think those scenes are funny, but I think that there's other scenes that I find even funnier. I don't know if it's because they're not quoted as much or it's just more my humor. What do you think? I think so. Um, kind of going, moving further ahead in the movie, another scene that I remember because it kind of, when I was real little, probably shortly after I saw the movie, probably around second grade, I made friends with a really good friend of mine for a while, uh, Kevin Eckhart, I think. We became friends because I still to date can't say the whole thing, but he knew what the Knights of Knee said after they're no longer the Knights of Knee. <laughs> and so I watched it over at his house a few times too, because I, I remember his dad was like, kind of like the cool nerd dad. Yeah. Like the very seventies nerd dad. Like he had like D and D books and stuff like that. And I think over at Kevin's house was the first time I saw a star Wars movie. I think wow. it was like empire or something like that. But so that was kind of, I, I thought that was funny. I'm like, Oh man, you know, you know what those guys say. I can never remember. <laughs> the the knights who say knee, I have to say as a kid, 
was the funniest thing in the world to me. I know I drove people nuts maybe into my teenage years quoting it. And That's I, I feel a funny. little bit bad now. <laughs> did you but, ever get a shrubbery? No, no. Um, I did have the the bunny later in the movie. Big pointy teeth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a puppet one. You could open his mouth really big. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this movie, uh, I feel like we have to say this. Um, I feel like um, overzealous fans at cons that quote this all the time uh, give an impression of what this is like as though like, oh, this is obviously going to be overrated and I'm not going to like this movie, but it's genuinely hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of like if something, if you haven't seen something and it gets beat over your head too many times, yes, you either won't see it or when you do, you're like, that wasn't that funny. Right. But it's like, no, this one is funny. I mean, that's the thing about comedy, right? A lot of it is timing and uh, it's not the best timing when you're at a convention. And and some people think different stuff is funny. This is true. And sometimes they don't quote it properly. You know, that's also true. Uh, but yeah, that was another thing John Cleese said, too. He said one of the things that he liked about about Monty Python is that, you know, you'll see people laughing so hard. And then you'll see, like, one guy in the corner just looking confused. He's like, what? I think that kind of perfectly sums up their comedy. Because I have heard just as many people say that they don't like it. And I'm kind of like, it's a weird thing where when people say, like, I don't think Monty Python's funny. You're like, okay, you're not in the club. It kind of feels a little bit like that where, I mean, humor is just so subjective that, you know, some people really find this funny, uh, people that are right. And then there's everybody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Essentially. Yep. (laughs) I mean, this is, I love that movie. So you are listening to two people that really like it. Yeah. Uh, What's another scene that you wanted to Um, touch on? Oh, I'll, I'll we'll, we can keep going on scenes, but one thing I want to I want to throw out there real quick. I feel like uh, one thing that's kind of funny, even I don't know if it was really supposed to be, but I like throughout the entire movie Graham's portrayal of Arthur is essentially the only straight man in the movie. It's true. He's the only one that like is serious and is like knows what he's doing mm-hmm. and is like just kind of on the mission like he knows i'm just rambling now but but he's like he's the only character to, that isn't like super wacky but he's yeah. just surrounded by buffoonery mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy too just knowing a little of the behind the scenes that you know he was an alcoholic and really struggled in, in some of the later films, or there were some sketches that they had to, like, a, completely abandon. Not necessarily in this movie, but just in general on the show. And uh, even in this film, they struggled with a lot of scenes uh, because he was not sober or because he was dealing with the effects of not getting a drink. Yeah. Um, but I think he and John Cleese worked closest together. And the rest of the troop was like, whew, because they didn't really want to deal yeah, with Graham. Yeah, like, he's, he's yours. Mm-hmm. But he was very funny and very, very talented. And it's just it's just kind of surprising that he would be the main character just yeah. knowing that aspect. And you wouldn't know watching the movie, obviously. But yeah, he's definitely the straight man, which yeah. I think like sometimes people feel that, you know, oh, they're the straight man. They're not funny. But that can be a tough role to play, I too. Like it still requires. Is the funny part, though. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, him being so like serious. One of my favorite things. I say it all the time, just randomly. It's like whenever. Oh, I forgot who he's talking to. But whenever he gets frustrated, he's like, "Be quiet." 
speak. You do say that quite. a lot. Um, if I if if I had to pick another favorite scene, honestly, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like, you know, typical fan and say the spam a lot part. Oh yeah, where they're they they come up to Camelot. Yeah, and the, there's the song and dance, and then they do the whole song, and they're like, "No, that that'd be too silly. Let's not go there." <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that that's a really funny joke in and of itself, but also just everything that's happening visually yeah. in that. I oh, you could just bonkers. show that clip, yeah. <laughs> like to me right now. I'm like laughing thinking about it. So, I just really enjoy, it. and obviously that's why they named the like Monty Python Holy Grail musical spam a lot. Yeah. You know? But um, I think because of this movie, I was like, what is spam? I remember asking that as a kid. And my dad was oh, like, you don't know what spam is? Ongoing joke with them. Even on the show. Yeah, it, yeah spam. Cause it's gross. Spam, spam, spam. But I love spam, actually. But yeah, so my dad was like, oh, you've never had spam, huh? You know, I think it's probably funny being a parent. Like, just, of course you haven't had that. I haven't given you that. Yeah. Uh, so he went and bought spam and cooked it. And I was like, I dig it. And I, to this day, I no hate. I will still eat spam pretty good i don't mind some fried up breakfast log exactly in yummy. A can. yummy uh but yeah i really like that scene that one's funny just the animals flying around everywhere people constantly getting kicked yeah Be- people being kicked is just funny see yeah. there's a carrying part of- <laughs> a big tray of bread or something <laughs> there's a part of me that really likes super dry humor and then there's another part of me that likes watching people get kicked. just slapstick right uh what about you is there another one Oh man, I think it's another thing that's overquoted, but I don't care. Is um, John Cleese's Frenchman? Yes, <laughs> I I think all his characters are pretty much my favorite. They're, yeah, they're funny. Um, they're like, but yeah, the French the French part is really really good. They're like, do you have? We're on the quest for the Grail. It's like we already got one. <laughs> yeah, they're like, huh? I told him we already got one. <laughs> <laughs> um. That, I mean, I could go on about that, but I just thought of something. What? I was thinking about it last night. I'm like, I'm going to bring that up when we record. We'll go ahead. But they don't even tell you the name of the movie till you're like 20, almost 30 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just them randomly walking around trying to gather people for to be his <laughs> knights of the round table. And it isn't to like... God appears in the clouds and tells them to find the Holy Grail. And like the title shows up. It's like... I've been watching this for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I think it's to highlight how dumb that concept is. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of it, uh, they're, they're poking fun at their own history and how people had to believe all these like ridiculous, obviously not true things. Kind of like when uh, that scene earlier in the film when uh, King Arthur is explaining why he's king and he tells oh, that yeah. story about the lake. and It's like, I got the... Lady of the Lake or whatever gave me the sword. He's like, are you, are we to believe? Yeah, it's like there's some... The government is decided by a lady. Or what do you say? A, oh, man, I a can't... Wa- a water well, tart throwing yeah. knives at people? Yeah, it's like... I think I think all of it is sort of picking at that. Yeah. I, I like when God's like, don't grovel. I hate that. Oh, don't, you're you know. groveling. <laughs> what are you doing now? Averting our eyes. Yeah. It's... Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. Uh, that whole thing is, is great. I like the part where Sir Robin, uh, like I said earlier, one of my favorites, uh, Eric idols, uh, they come to the three headed monster guy. Oh yeah. You know, I always forget about this part until I see it again. 
and there's like death and bodies everywhere so you're like <laughs> oh man this guy must be a good fighter but then the three heads argue with each other so long that like robin just kind of runs away <laughs> and his menstrual's like brave sir robin he bravely ran away it's like, he i bravely didn't ran away away no i didn't <laughs> Like, every time the menstrual scene is about how cowardly he was. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, well, it's jumping all the way to the end, basically, but I Tim is probably one of my favorite yes. characters. Uh, Tim, what was he, the sorcerer? Well, they make yeah. you think he's, like, gonna be, like, Merlin or something. <laughs> he's like... Tim the Enchanter. Oh, yeah, he's like, I'm the Enchanter... Tim. I love when he's just zapping shit. I don't know why, like, but that's just... so funny that they must have spent like all this money on like these stupid effects where yeah. he's just like blowing stuff up. And he's like and shooting just... stuff out of his staff. Yeah, just like over and over. It like goes on for so long. I don't know. I just that whole bit is easily my favorite part of the whole movie. Like, yeah, it really is. And just how he looks and everything he says, and when he warns him about that rabbit, and I just love it. I guess leading from that to the next great scene when they come in contact with the rabbit is the, uh, <laughs> well, the rabbit messes them up and then they get to bring out the holy hand grenade. Yep. <laughs> I love that rabbit. I just, okay. Like as a little kid, again, I keep referencing, I, I saw this as a child. The rabbit thing was like, kind of like the Knights of Knee. It was so incredibly funny to me well it's funny <laughs> like when he's on the ground it's a real rabbit and then it turns into this puppet yeah when it's, and it's like so flying across looking. the screen the screen and from when side they're to fighting side. it they're like holding it you know it's just it's so great that they are not like even trying with it yeah i, I just love that about i it. feel like they're just throwing it to each other yeah it just i can imagine filming it they're probably having to stop several times and laughing yeah. really hard thinking about it go ahead um yeah, the holy hand grenade was great. The whole spiel was like, count to three. Three is the number that I shall count to. <laughs> not four and not two unless preceded with three. <laughs> One, two, four. Three, sir. Three. <laughs> That's another ongoing joke. Like, Arthur is always, like, jumping to five. Oh, really? I haven't always. noticed that. Yeah, like... um, when they're at the bridge, another good scene. That's a great scene. Uh, there's like four of them left, I think. And Arthur's like, me and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Us five. Three, sir. Yes, three. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. Um, oh, another scene I like a lot is the scene, uh, <laughs> well, with the, the boy, the boy prince. Oh, yeah. married. Uh, when the father's telling the guards to stay there and they just watch him. Yeah. And watch him and they just cannot get on board with what's happening. That feels so real to me. And that's like such great humor that Monty Python was like excellent at is like picking things that you feel like you've been in that situation before. And it's so irritatingly dumb and they just go on and you're like trying to explain the simplest task. Yeah. And they're not getting it. And you're having to be so restrained and polite, I think is part of what makes that funny is like yeah. you can't just come out and say like how are you not tracking here this is simple but 
having to, you know, keep saying it over and over again and explaining it in different ways. And that whole scene is probably another one of my favorites because of that. Um, this is fun bouncing from scene to scene because every time you say a scene, I remember another one. Mm-hmm. Right after that is when um, Lancelot, the scene, and I will say, if you want to, it's embarrassing, <laughs> but you can go watch. I used to have a beer review show on YouTube called Two Brew Dudes, and we actually spoofed Monty Python in one of our episodes where Lancelot is running up to the castle and it's playing that music. I like, don't remember the this. drums are like, and it shows the two guards looking cause he's really far away. And then the next scene, it's him all the way back to the trees again, oh, running yeah? up. And then it's the guards again. And then he's all the way in the back again. And then you see him all the way at the tree line and it goes back to the guards and he just shows up. He's like, ha ha like, stabs him. <laughs> But if you want to see the spoof we did, go look up Two Brew Dudes, and it is the um, High Res episode. The beer is called High Res for, by a Six Point Brewery. I don't remember this at all. And the intro, we spoofed it. I was sitting at the chair, and Eric came in the door and was walking up these stairs. And we do the thing where several times it shows me and then it goes back to Eric. He's at the bottom of the stairs again. That's funny. So, you know yeah. what it reminds me of, though? Hmm. It reminds me of, uh, is it Evil Dead 1 or 2? Or is it Army of Darkness? You know that scene where that voice is like, or that ghost or presence is like following him in the woods? And they keep showing it over and over. It's like, ah. I think that happens in all of them. Okay, okay. But I think it is most prominent in Evil Dead 2. Yeah. There's it's like a it's like a joke back and forth over and over and over and over again and it reminds yeah. me of this scene. Like right when it's at his heels, it's like 100 yards away again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of that. That was good. And then once he like finally shows up, and he just starts killing everyone. <laughs> like, ha ha, like kicking people down and stabbing everyone. Um, I'll kind of go back and forth, but this is because the son that couldn't leave shot an arrow with a note on it saying he needs to be saved. That whole scene is really funny too. And he's like trying to disguise. It's like impossible for him to write this note because the guards are looking at him and then trying to shoot it out of the window with a bow and arrow. But like the guards are so dumb. They're just like waving at him. And the the way he does it though, it's very like lazy. Yeah. Um, Going back to what we, we said at the beginning, the arrow hits uh, Lancelot's, um, I guess, horse? The guy he's <laughs> yeah. with? Uh, and you think he's dead. He's like, I'll, I'll avenge you and save this this person. And he, then he's like, starts moving. He's like, I think I might pull through. <laughs> it's like going back to the, the bring out your dead scene. He's like, no, no. you, I'll avenge you being mortally wounded he's like no i I think i'm gonna be okay (laughs) and then that happens again with the in the scene uh with the whole like father daughter yeah yeah. that's that's kind of like after lancelot busts in and like starts chopping up everyone the king is like oh i kind of like you you're tough so they go downstairs and everyone's mad he's like you kicked the bride and killed her father they're like 
well, he's not dead. He might pull through. Yeah. <laughs> they keep going back to that joke. And so, like, the, the king, like, not nudges someone. They go, like, finish him off. <laughs> that that one's good. Um, I guess speaking of reoccurring scenes, or it's more of not really reoccurring, but it's, like, the very under, under, underlying plot yeah. is, like, kind of early in the movie where that historian yes. is talking about, like, what King Arthur was like. And randomly, I think it's Lancelot that just rides by, like, cuts his neck, just <laughs> kills him. Yeah. And so throughout the movie, like, okay, so he gets killed. And then, like, 15 minutes later, you see, like, I guess the corners there, and they cover the body up. <laughs> and then, like, 15 minutes later, after more stuff, they're, like, they're in the car. Like, a regular, like, modern day for the <laughs> 70s car, like following them or whatever they have like an investigator that's funny that pretty much we can keep talking about more scenes but the movie ends with them all getting arrested yeah yeah <laughs> with no explanation as yeah. to what's happening yeah they just arrest him like oh you killed that guy so you're arrested pretty much i know oh the black knight oh yeah go ahead and talk about the black knight that one's good that's john cleese yes and yeah it's just this really big towering knight that Arthur saw kill. I think this is when Arthur's looking for people to join him. He hasn't found anyone yet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this guy's tough. He can, he can join. And so it's the whole scene where they fight and then Arthur cuts his arm off. And he's like, it's just a flesh wound, but a scratch. <laughs> so they fight, he cuts his other arm off. Then he ends up cutting his legs off. That one's pretty, that one's a classic. Everyone, yeah. I mean, you still see people wearing, like, the Black Knight shirts, mm-hmm. where it's just the torso and head. You could buy, like, plushies where you can take all yeah, the limbs Yeah, little off. arms and legs have Velcro on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic. Um, man, what else? There's so many. Oh, is it, um, Galahad the Chase that finds that, like, castle full of, Oh, like, yeah, full of women. Women, all, like, in wet t-shirts and everything. <laughs> And he, like, finally decides to kind of cave. And that's when Lancelot shows up. He's yeah. like, I'll save you from this peril. He's like, what about a little bit of peril? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But they all had, like, there are all these, like, really beautiful women that had, like, real ugly names. Like, like Sister Newton, Sister Winston, and stuff like that. <laughs> One's name was, like, Pig or something. Should we um, tackle one of the... One of the other reoccurring jokes with the coconuts and the um, sure, the bridge. Go ahead. I, I like when they come to the bridge. Uh, again, Lancelot. He's like, "I'll go first. You have to answer the three questions." The guy's like, "What is your name?" I feel like this is something you quote a lot. Yeah. What is your quest? Let's get the Holy Grail. What is your favorite color? And so Lancelot tells him and he crosses. And my favorite thing of the entire scene is when I think it's, I think it's Robin. He goes, that's easy. (laughs) You know, like goes up there. It's like the third question is like super hard. Like what's the capital of Assyria or something? Well, I don't know that. He gets tossed into the, what is it? The river of abyss or something like that. And then Arthur kind of wins at the end where I'm going to get 
murdered online for not knowing these quotes better. But the third question is like, what is the average airspeed of an unladen swallow? The king's like, African or European? <laughs> Which is like one of the very first scenes in the movie. And the bridge keeper's like, well, I don't know. He gets tossed into the the abyss and so they get to cross. We learned what witches are made out of. Oh, yeah. You got to talk about that scene. You want me to or do you want to do that no, one? No, you can do it. Okay. Um... Okay, so they, they bring this lady saying she's a witch to Bedivere, which is a hilarious character because the entire <laughs> movie, he's always lifting that little thing up in like part of his helmet to talk, yeah. to talk, but it's like you can see through it. It's only like <laughs> two bars. Um, and it's just a bunch of like dumb peasants. And he's like, well, what makes her a witch? She's like, they put a fake nose on me. Um, I also like how the, you know, he's he's like, did you put this nose on her? And they're like, yeah. Okay, and the and, and, we, cloak, and we dressed And her. that hat. But she is a witch. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And they go from witches are made of wood to witches aren't bridges. Because bridges can be made of stone, but wood floats, and so do ducks. And so if she weighs the same amount as a duck, she's a witch. And then she does. Of course. So she is a witch. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do our last couple of questions. Uh, What keeps you coming back to this movie? Why do you think you've seen it so many times? I mean, it's just really quotable. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... The movie is in such a strange order. I always forget what's about to happen. So it's yeah. almost fresh every time I see it. That's a good point. Uh, so much stuff happens and it's broken up into like perfect like little segments, like kind of like their sketch comedy. Right. Yeah. But it they is make sketch it, comedy at its heart. So they, so they it's make a it flow. They do really well at like making each one go into the next one. Yeah. Yeah. You're essentially seeing several jokes all put yeah. together in a film but i like sketch comedy so yeah i really enjoy this film um and i just think it's like the best of it's like watching the best Pretty of much, their yeah. show you know um i definitely think if you like this movie you should watch the show you know for obvious the, reasons the show has i mean i think this holy grail is probably my favorite monty python thing but man, some of the skits on the show are like hilarious. Yeah, they're you have to see them. <laughs> well, I quote the show all the time. Yeah, I'm you like, do. Burglar. Um. Yeah, I, I I think I think everything you said is pretty much sums up how I feel as well. Um. How would you pitch this movie to someone that hasn't seen it before? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like. I think I've said this on a few movies, but I think you have to, like, clockwork orange them. Yeah, just force them to watch it. Yeah, because, like, you could explain it to them, but, like, if you don't explain it well, they'll be like, well, that doesn't sound funny. And it's so hard to explain some of the jokes. But, I mean, I feel like if you could be like, okay, these are some of, I would consider the godfathers of, like, British comedy. Yeah. And if you want to see where a lot of that stuff started or in the early, like, infancy of, like, real British comedy, you should 
checking out because these guys started a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a classic for a reason. It is quoted a lot, uh, but it's funny. It's like very funny. I think yeah. it ages pretty well. And for um, how silly it is, it's very smart humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very dry humor yeah. at times, and I like that. As I've said a million times, you could probably one take million a drink times. Every time I've said it. Uh, but yeah, I just think that uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail is a movie that everyone should see. And if you don't like it, that's fine. And get but, out. Yeah, but you need to at least see it. Yeah, you know? give it a watch. Yeah, give it a watch. Well, Nick. Well, Lisa. Thank you so much. Sure. For accompanying me that night. It's fun. And for talking about this movie. Uh, to... Dallas residents <laughs> that love Bunny Python and it started here for the US anyway. Yeah. So pretty cool. Brushing my shoulders off because yeah. I had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, John Cleese is a national treasure and um, he's amazing. He's an international treasure. He's an international. He's a British treasure. <laughs> if you get the chance to see him live, you should. He's, he's funny. He's still, I mean, yeah, he's sharp, sharp as, as a tack. Yeah. yeah. Jinx. You owe me a Coke. Punch. Ouch. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, he's great, and uh, this movie's amazing, and uh, you should see it. Uh, so, Nick, you'll have to think about what you'll talk about the next time you're on here. You've, I, I know you've got, like, a little running list. Mm-hmm. I'll see you next time. I'll see you, actually, right after this. After we leave and go into <laughs> the living room. Okay, well, uh, goodbye anyway. Goodbye. Goodbye.